0: Hello, welcome back to Anime on the Sea to Sky, where my upload schedule is just as erratic as my work and sleep, but we're just going to have to keep moving forward and try to figure that out as we go along. Uh, Well, I'm back out on the west coast. I was glad I was able to have the opportunity to go visit a lot of family and friends out in the east. Settle up for a couple of different towns through Ontario and had some come up from the states as well So it was a really nice change of pace and a lot and a really nice way to kind of end off the year and start Again for a new one But now that I'm back on the west coast and things are going to be getting a little funky I'll try to keep things once again going to a two-week or a bi-weekly schedule Even though I know that that's been incredibly erratic over the past six weeks But I just have to keep on keeping on because at least I have enough ...to talk about through the majority of the transition to the next season, as well as things surrounding it, and even things that are outside of anime, which is what we're going to be talking about today. But, at least over the past couple of weeks, a handful of things to pop up going through now is that it's we're definitely coming up upon awards season... Since we've already gone through the Golden Globes, the nominees for the Oscars have been led through, and then to top it all off, Crunchyroll has been going through and leading in its nominations for its Anime Award Ceremony, as well as our anime's subreddit going through and doing the same. And even though I do believe that they are better in every single regard to Crunchyroll, it's just that, I don't know, Crunchyroll is like the only quote-unquote mainstream piece that we have to at least go through and honor this as a worldwide audience outside of Japan, but... I don't know, it's still kind of shit, and that'll get its entire episode besides the point. But yeah, at least for the animated section inside of the Golden Globes, Del Toro's Pinocchio was the one who ended up taking home the grand prize over things such as Inuo, Puss in Boots, and Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. And that's completely understandable. It's the only thing, because it's... Of course, the nomination for the Oscars does do its fucking job in the sense that I would like to go through and at least see every single one before the award ceremony is over and between all of those that are going to be lining up there's still at least two to three that are on my list but at least to this point pinocchio is one of them and i still haven't seen it to the degree that everybody else has been giving it praise and everybody has been a huge fan of its stop-motion animation and just the overall eeriness and dystopia that it actually gives off So at least if there was anybody to take home the award, that'd be great, considering that outside of that, there are no anime films that are going to be lining up again for the 95th Oscars Best Picture Award, which to be fair, I'm not too upset about considering that... If if Goodbye Dongleese was the one that ended up taking home that nomination, I would have been. In, that's the only way I would have been incredibly annoyed. But considering that the only three major ones that we could have put on the table were in this case Donglees, Drifting Home, which I still think is a really good film that everybody should watch on Netflix, but I'm kind of disappointed that they weren't able to give Inuo a shot. Considering that if there's anything that anybody inside of the old and decrepit Academy agrees on is that they were all huge fans of rock concerts and I can only imagine that if they ended up giving it a watch I wouldn't be surprised if it would have charmed them at least a little but regardless the nominees for the category itself are of course Del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, ain't that a fucking tongue twister, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in is Last Wish, The Sea Beast and Turning Red so at least at this point the I still need to get to Pinocchio I still need to get to Puss in Boots and the Sea Beast is the only one out of this entire group that I still have no idea what it is, so I'm really curious to see how that's going to turn around. I don't think it's done by either a studio outside of Spain or Ireland, so I'm going to have to wait and see how that ends up lining up, but I don't know, at least I really don't think there was anything major for any of these shows not getting nominated or movies getting nominated, so it's, it's fine, we'll move along. Really curious to see how the next year is going to be lining up, considering that we're still going to be getting a lot of Shonen Fair. we're going to get Makoto Shinkai's new film, and there's going to be a lot of stuff leading through into 2023. But outside of that, in terms of shows, it we're already getting an announcement for the next project of Main Abyss, which to me is just crazy, considering that we ended up getting that at the very end of the summer season, I believe, and so... All I'd heard at the end of this, where it's like, hey, guess what, um, the author is essentially going through and making his release schedule a lot like mine, very slipshod, very just indiscretionary and out of nowhere. Like, apparently we're only four to five chapters behind the actual story here to where the Scorching Sun season ended. And so now they're already thinking and they've already got a green light for the next production to be going through instead of waiting another four years for, well, to be fair, they've only given it the green light. So I wouldn't be surprised if it takes another three to four to go. So either, so two things are going to happen. Either the mangaka is going to continuously go forward and start pumping out chapters a lot more frequently, or he's going to be working very close with the production to essentially do a cooperative project to kind of make sure the story lines in in set with the events of the actual manga or just both in this case or both could happen so i'm kind of curious to see how the rest of that is going to be moving forward over the next couple of years because it was a really good season uh, for scorching sun and continuously moving on it's if there's anything that i'm happy that is going to continuously moving forward and getting another set of sequels even though apparently the story is reaching its conclusion i'd really love to see how this story ends up and then even though considering that i am not watching anything, barely anything of this season. There is going to be one more piece that is going to be jumping in late into the winter 2023 season, and that's going to be Aggretsuko Season 5, which apparently is going to be the final season released on the show. So that's going to be coming out February 16th for its worldwide debut on Netflix, and I really don't know how this is going to change. I, I I'm not going to watch the trailer, I'm not going to go through and kind of just give myself a couple of headcanons or give anything leading into guesses about what this final season's going to be because to be fair I do think that seasons two and three were great but season four really did just kind of like take one step forward and two steps back and we have no idea like what the main couple's doing what the rest of the crew around them is going to be leading up to and I just kind of hope that we get a decently happy conclusion whether or not Retsuko is going to, like, stay with her own job and how her relationship with the rest of the people in her work is going to go. I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see and decide on what that's going to pop up with in February. But another thing that I'm really excited to see get announced is that Kyoto Animation is going to be holding a 10th anniversary project for Tomiko Market. And considering that I do still believe that Hyoka is probably the best work that Kyoto Animation's ever done, I'm... To be fair, I think that personally, Tomiko Market is my favorite of their entire catalog, but I mean, Market and Love Story uh, consistently. And so to see whether or not we're going to get, say, an OVA, a post, you know, time skip, and we see how the characters are doing a couple of years down the line, what everybody's doing for work or for school, or if it's just going to be everybody coming back together for a weekend just to kind of see how the rest of the crew is doing, all I know is that it's going to be... Really fun to see the rest of this cast come back, and I would imagine, considering that's going to be the case where we might have the opportunity to see Yamada Naoko come back and helm another project at Kyoto Animation, I'm really curious to see how they're, what they're going to adapt or what they're going to create in this case. Now, well, not necessarily adapt, it because they ended up making this as their own original work, but I'm still really excited to see the rest of these characters come back together and actually have some fun. So to get this season's initial reactions out of the way, there is easily nothing for me to talk about to essentially push this episode uh, further and beyond its limit. Considering that I'm basically, I mean, barring Agretico that's going to be coming out uh, later in February, so it'll technically be show number five that I'm watching this season. Maybe I, maybe the same thing happens with Akiba Maid War where. I really see a lot of hubbub and a lot of uh, notifications and a lot of people talking about it. Considering that I only jumped into Akiba back in like episode 8 or week 8 or 9. And so maybe there's still an opportunity for a show to go through and give me that opportunity to jump into it. But currently nothing's really knocking my socks off 3-4 to weeks into the season. But besides that, I mean, I went from watching 14 shows last season to four and two of those shows are basically just runoff from the previous season i mean i'm still watching blue lock the magic is kind of waning because now that the energy around the world cup is over then it's i'm still not really caring too much about the main characters i'm still waiting on like the next piece and the next big climax and the next soccer match to at least go through and push the characters forward and something that's the rest of it I just don't really know. We see the top three in one of the most recent episodes, and it's just not really that big of a deal. Like, they give us who is apparently going to be, like, the top three um, characters inside of the show in terms of their soccer prowess, but it's just kind of like, I don't care. The cast is just way too big, way too strenuous. Like, you can't latch yourself onto. Everybody, and it makes you really strained when you're trying to figure out who you care for, who you want to advance, who you want to go home, and it's... And, it, like, because the main character I don't necessarily think is that interesting, and I'm really more curious to see what the rest of the crew on the side characters is going to be bringing forward, but I just... nothing about any of them is still sticking. I'm just, I don't have a single character inside of the show to latch onto. And for some reason, I'm still watching it because at least, I guess at that point, I'm definitely a completionist. If I'm already 13, 14 episodes in, I might as well just keep going considering it's only going to be taking up 15 to 20 minutes of my time a week. That's beside the point. I'll just keep letting it go. And hopefully there is a character or something that leads up to knock my socks off and actually get me reinvested back into the show. So only time will tell. I am curious to see how the next arc of My Hero is going to get adapted. So far, they're doing a really good job on the falling action of essentially what happened as one of the biggest pieces and one of the biggest shifts inside of the manga in general, and they... Essentially, just had one of the smallest or quickest falling action pieces inside of the entire series, considering that there is going to be no rest, there's going to be no festival, there's going to be no licensing, there's going to be nothing that's going to be jumping in as a sequel arc to like take away from the pace that the previous arc set. And that is immediately what we're jumping into. Although, to be fair, considering that we did end up getting what was essentially a pseudo recap in episode 13 or 14. And I'm really curious to see how they're going to be moving forward with Deku into this new arc and how it's going to be uh, pushed forward. Although I finally found where uh, Yutaka Nakamura was. Uh, Like, I was waiting the entire, uh, like, first half of this season to be like, okay, where's going to be the Yudapon cut? Where's going to be the Nakamura powers? Like, when essentially is this going to go forward? And nothing happened in the entire arc. And then the second opening that happened inside of the season it just popped up out of nowhere. Like, the Utapon cut just happened in the middle of the opening and it was like 20-25 seconds long and it was crazy and it was a really good cut and it's gonna be a phenomenal piece to consistently go for because I do like the new opening besides the cut that ends up getting shown but it's Still, like, just icing on the cake to see that that was where he ended up putting his stuff. Because I guess at this point, he can just do whatever cut he wants. He can do... He can decide on what whichever pieces, considering that he's always just jumping between different scenarios and different fights and different points in the story. So, considering that he was able to go through and have one of his cuts be the premier cut inside of this new opening, I would imagine that he definitely had a say in where he was going to be putting that. I'm just hoping... But that's not the only cut that we get to see him, and I'm hoping that at least at some point we'll be able to have another opportunity to see his animation at work in the second half of this season. Now, the next sequel that is one of the two shows that I'm actually watching this season is Vinland Saga Season 2, or Farmland Saga, or Harvest Moon, or just whichever other farming allegory that you want to take. That's all I've heard about this second season. It's... Because I think, what was it, the initial season came out back in 2019 or 2020, and so it did a really good job with the prologue of the story, and I was really trying to figure out what essentially I wanted to do... In terms of either immediately jumping to the manga or thinking, what am I going to do? Should I wait for the second season? And considering that if they were just going to be as blunt as saying, hey, guess what? This is the prologue. I, I was definitely expecting them to line up and have a, sec- a second season in the works. Even though it's not done by WIT, this time it's being done by MAPPA. And regardless, considering the amount of projects that MAPPA has ended up uh, taking off of WIT Studios... The, uh, there's not really too much of a change in art direction or character design. It is very similar to what we had from the previous season. And so it's still moving forward. It is still kind of slow to get you, you know, reinvested and get you back into a different set of characters. Some have aged, some haven't, some are dead, some are alive. But you have to bring yourself back into this world, and currently we are in a much more passive version of that story. So I'm curious to see if they're just going to continue on with this kind of theme and pacing. Or if there's going to be a piece of action that is going to be lining up at some point in the future. So we'll just have to wait and see. And now the one the, the one and only show... That I was truly excited for to kind of see what they were going to do with this kind of, not adaptation, but this kind of remaking, remastering of its old predecessor, which is Trigun Stampede. Because I initially thought it was going to be something that would either be like a remake of the original story... Or not, not really a remake, a remaster that ended up continuing on after the original show ended, and leading us into something. I, I believe Rampage is the uh, full title, or no, uh, Trigun the Maxim. No, Trigun Maximum. That's that's the name of the full manga. And so I was curious if they were going to be doing something along those lines, but the, it's completely like remade. It's it's an entirely different story. Entirely, the setting is still the same on the planet, but the initial concepts and the pasts of the main characters of the of the two mains are the same but then everybody else is different considering that meryl's different her partner's different the only one that we don't know at this point is wolfwood but apparently he's supposed to be a grave digger instead of a priest so i have no idea how he's going to go but i'm really curious to see how they're going to be bringing his relationship with vash back into the works after the first three episodes, I still can say that I did enjoy my time, and Studio Orange is just at the forefront of what CG productions are able to do inside of the animated medium. But it's I'm re- I, I just I just don't know about knives being introduced so quickly into the story because you have to essentially latch yourself onto Vash and the people who end up latching on to him in turn but it's i'm just going to i there it does have a very strong 3 episode rule thing so if you even if you haven't watched a single episode of trigun or read a single page of the manga i do believe that if you decided to come in completely blind and just go for the first 3 episodes then you'll have a pretty good idea about whether whether or not you like the show cuz knives is still the same kind of sociopath and megalomaniac that we've had in the previous series, but he is much more of a god. He is much more of a present threat rather rather than one that was just hiding in the shadows and looming over and pulling all the strings behind everybody else. He was very similar in gun skill and build and just powers to Vash, and that's what made them really good foils and mirrors of each other. But now... He is literally a god. He is, with the technology that he uses around the rest of this world and this barren planet, it's just, I'm considering, I'm not too shocked that he decided to be the one that ends up stepping up first and he was the one that ended up, you know, bringing himself into the limelight to show everybody what he is capable of, but it's going to make me a lot more tentative leading into his future conflicts with Vash, because Vash has absolutely nothing on Knives when it comes to prowess. Vash is a very, very, very skilled gunslinger, but compare I could see him having a chance in a fight with Knives in the previous series. Now, I don't know how they are going to frame their conflict and their future fights between the two of them, because Knives is just... What he is on the tin and what he is is fucking terrifying and a real force of nature that I can't see anybody in the show being able to stop. So I don't know. I'm gonna move forward because I'm still enjoying it. I just don't know how the future conflicts with Vash and Wolfwood and the rest of the crew are going to be played out through the rest of the story. So only time will tell. Now, to get through uh, the live action portion, Of This episode considering that I had a lot of time on my hands leading in through Ontario and so I was able to catch up on a handful of shows that I wanted to watch and some that were just lining up in the midst of December but I guess we'll get um, the latest season of Letterkenny out of the way. It was fine. Uh, The first two were a little shaky for me to get into but I really started enjoying like seeing the rest of the crew and what essentially they were up to over the next four episodes to kind of lean that up. I think seeing the previous Shamrockettes go through and jump into their coaching roles was probably my favorite episode of the show. And then second leading into um, the Influenzas or the Influencers. Um, But it's just everything outside of that, it was fine. It's not that I disliked it. It's just that when they say that they ended up filming both of these seasons back to back, this season and last season, it definitely makes sense considering it it they were throwing out ideas onto a board and then they were going to make an episode out of it and see how it played out and i think it more went 50-50 in this season but there's not a lot else going on and considering that now uh this was like season 10, 9 or 10 it's really they're they're really stretching it out to kind of figure out what other ideas that they can do and like keep the formula fresh and engaging but um, if they go forward and make a new or leading into the next season because i don't know if they're going to be doing the same thing where they shoot two seasons back to back or if they decide to just go all in on this one i'm curious to see although i am still glad that at this point shorzy's first season was really enjoyable really fun had a blast i'm pretty sure i already said that already but at this point i am much more looking forward to shorzy's second season than the next season of letter kenny And I guess on the flight back, I ended up giving myself a watch uh, to Bullet Train. It wasn't a Guy Ritchie flick, but it really felt in spirit, like that's how they wanted to do it. But in this case, it was set in Japan. It was over the top. I mean, this this was very, very anime-like. Especially, like, you have to suspend your disbelief entirely for Brad Pitt's character, considering how much happens around him and how much convenience goes through but if you literally just push all that aside and understand where it's like look this is fucking crazy everybody's along for the ride it's a train full of assassins and everybody's trying to one-up each other and the banter is really good, the back and forth is stellar, the set pieces like, really start ramping up towards the end of the movie, and it is just a really fun time. If you are looking for just over-the-top action, witty banter, and not necessarily... I don't think the fight scenes were probably the best one. It was definitely the character interactions that carried the majority of the story. But considering the large cast and how each of them were able to make themselves memorable in every other aspect... It's definitely in the spirit of Guy Ritchie, and I really enjoyed (laughs) the ride all the way through. So if you're looking for, like, a crazy story leading in through the rest of it and the annals of Japan, go for it. I would definitely recommend giving it a watch. And topping the rest of that off, I was able to go through and watch the first episode of The Last of Us television series. I have not played any of these games. It's been nine years, I believe, since the release of the first version of this game like back on the PlayStation and I over those nine years I've had information drip fed to me and I've watched video essays and I've like gone through and I know the major plot beats of the story leading forward but considering that was the case I was still surprised as to how well they set up the world how much of it is post-apocalyptic and what essentially everybody has to do and get around to survive and what the landscape is leading inside of the separate countries that makes it such a Trying and treacherous journey to at least go through and try to just live in this sense, because it's very, very hard for Joel in this case to just even find a reason to live, and he's only got his brother that he's really looking out for because everybody else is gone. The fact that we're, I'm really curious to see how his relationship with Ellie is going to develop and how the rest of that's going to be pushing the story forward. And, but at least what I can say is that they did a really good job setting up the world, and if this is going to be, I guess, considering it is a quote-unquote winter seasonal show, since we're going week by week every Sunday, I'm really curious to see how the rest of this show is going to be pushing forward, because I don't know, I know that both games in The Last of Us are really, really long And I don't think that they'll be able to go... It's definitely not going to be a one-season thing. It's definitely going to be either two or three seasons to get through the first game. I've heard rumors that they're going to adapt everything, as in they're just going to go through and adapt straight through The Last of Us and then The Last of Us Part Two. I don't know how that's going to be playing out in terms of how many seasons. If I had to guess, based on the game time that is actually moving forward and the only important bits, then we'll probably get two full seasons... the last of us to cover the first game and then whatever they do afterwards is definitely up to their discretion so i don't know we'll just have to wait and see i really enjoyed it i would definitely recommend people giving this a watch and jumping on to the week by week schedule along with the rest of the seasonals that we have so just go for it and the final live action piece that i'm going to be able to cover which definitely took me a while and it was a roller coaster for sure it, there were a couple of ups and downs. I was thrown for a loop quite a few times. But I was finally able to go through and watch the first season of The House of the Dragon. Without And so this is totally spoiler-free leading into the rest of this. I At the end of the day... There were moments where I was just, I didn't know where the story was going, and there's just a lot of ways that the show ends up just throwing you for a loop and then just changing up the characters, changing up the time, changing up how the majority of the dynamics inside of the story goes, and it does give you a lot of emotional whiplash to try and figure out who you really care for and who you want to succeed at the end of the day, but it really was able to sink its claws into me towards the the end of the first season. It was... A really, really good first season of a franchise that I honestly didn't believe I had any love left for. The first episode definitely gets you into it and you realize, yes, this is Game of Thrones. This is the pace, the theming, the character dynamics, the setting that you've all come to expect in some of the better seasons of that show. This is thankfully not something that is in the final six seasons. It is definitely... Or the final three seasons. It's definitely more akin to the first five. I really, really did enjoy the first and the final episode leading into what the future conflicts were going to be. Patty Considine is just easily the highlight of that entire show. His dynamic with his brother, trying to hold a peaceful kingdom, just all of it together, even though... The rest of the world does throw everything they have at him. A lot of his choices were not the best choices for sure, but it's just the way he is able to portray this character, this king, a king in full blood and title and stature and just will, he was easily the best part of this show. His relationships and how he's able to build everything around him, whether it's through his misdeeds or whether it's his mistakes and his problems, but the way he's able to keep a kingdom together throughout the entire season was just phenomenal. I really, really enjoyed his performance and he was easily the highlight. I mean, Matt Smith, (laughs) it's, uh, you know, I I never did watch uh, Morbius, so I don't know if this role is, uh, like, I was, I was trying to compare his role here to Morbius, but even I couldn't get that out of my fucking mouth because I really can't. Uh, I can't even joke about that stuff. It's, I don't know, the, the joke is really old and past its prime, but I really did enjoy his chaotic energy and how he just loves to ride the fine line of just trepidation, stress, and chaos because that definitely seems where, that is where he is is most alive. That is something that really keeps him on edge and keeps him as an interesting character regardless of his relationship with his family, with his friends, with the rest of the people that he tries to use and manipulate. He's easily the most complex inside the rest of these characters, but the rest of the cast for sure is able to carry their own weight in spades. I really enjoyed everybody revolving around it. Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra, everybody along this entire show is able to bring their A-game and make you realize what was lost, and what you've been missing for years and years and years of this franchise, it just made me fall back in love with the world as a whole. I really enjoyed this season, and I don't know how much they're saying that House of the Dragon is going to be three to four seasons long. That's that's what they're thinking they're going to need in order to cover the entire book. I'm really curious to see how they're going to be moving this forward, but considering... It's, I would say it would be the first three episodes were great. The middle four, like, really just, you don't know where it's going. You're trying to, like, figure out, like, find your footing, find the people you care about, find the characters that are legitimately interesting, and see how they grow and how they adapt. And by the time the major players inside of this conflict reach their ideal selves towards the end of the first season, the board has been laid out and everybody's bringing their A-game and I really do enjoy the cast that we've been set up with leading into these next few seasons because at the end of the day I really did enjoy the first season of House of the Dragon and without a doubt the next seasons that are going to be popping up revolving around this franchise I didn't think that they could do it but now I'm all in and I'm going to be really curious to see how the rest of the story is going to go and how the rest of House of the Dragon is going to unfold and set the rest of the land of Westeros ablaze. Well, at least now I'm going to be able to go through and catch up on a couple of ideas. There are a few things that are going to be leading into February, so I don't know what that's going to have in store for me for the rest of the month, so I'm going to try and get myself back on the bi-weekly schedule and see how the rest of that goes, considering there's a really good set of ideas that I've got on the backlog, and since I'm in the middle of the season, that gives me most of the time that I need in order to get out what I want to talk about and have a couple of things that have been sitting on my backlog. So, I mean thankfully both the amount of shows that i'm watching right now the backlog is huge the amount of ideas i want to lead up has a has a huge backlog as well and i'm really curious to see how the rest of february and march are going to go and see how 2023 unfolds so we'll just have to wait and see cheers have a good one